I worked with a really annoying Montana alum at the Lewis and Tribune, so I hope we beat the crap out of them every year so I can talk shit to him. Welcome back, Talk from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I'm your host, Chris Hammond, and today I've got a very special podcast for you. Not only is it our Idaho preview, but I also have three co-hosts with me, including the founder of TubsAtTheClub.com, Sean Kramer. Uh, I also have TJ Hopkins with me. We've got Martin from Tubs at the Club. Um, I'm going to let you guys all introduce yourself, tell the people a little bit about you, and uh, let them know what your favorite beer is. And we'll start with you, TJ. Tell the people about yourself. Hey, guys. Uh, hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my name's TJ. I am a Vandal alum from 2016. For my four years at University of Idaho, I went to every home game. And I currently reside in Seattle, the neighborhood of Ballard. And uh, my favorite beer is uh, local to Seattle, the Georgetown Brewery Manny. All right. Thanks, TJ. Thanks for coming on. And then, uh, Martin, tell the people a little about yourself and your favorite beer. I'm Martin. I graduated in 2017 from this great university. I was a member of the uh, best band in the nation, the Vandal Marching Band. And my favorite beer is Rainier. We're going to save the best for last. Sean, tell the people all about yourself and what your favorite beer is. Uh, coming to you from the uh, nation of Taiwan, I am a 2014 graduate of the University of Idaho, uh, an alum of the Argonauts and Vandal Nation. My favorite beer is also Vanier. That's the crew today. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a busy pod, but you know we're going to help build excitement for this upcoming season. I want to say cheers to all my co-hosts. Let's get into this. When this episode airs, it will be August 22nd, which means we are only 10 days from Vandal Game Day. So that's exciting on its own. With that, today we're going to cover all everything about the Idaho Vandals upcoming season. Um, we're going to try to avoid as much as we can the Fresno State game. As that will be next week's podcast. We'll be covering Fresno State exclusively. And if you're looking for Rob Spear coverage, this is not the place. We're building hype for the season. So you can look, look somewhere else for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to start with our ordering up corner stool takes this is where we're going to give you guys our hot takes of the week and uh, what we're really expecting and i'm going to start by saying i think personally that coach petrino will win conference coach of the year and i think Caden ellis will win fcs defensive player of the year and finish in the walter payton finalist voting TJ, you want to give the people your corner stool take? I do. I will give my take. I think it's interesting about the Caden Ellis remark because uh, as, as far as the spring game goes, they played him a little bit at slot receiver as well. So maybe that'll add his, to his, uh, his campaign of, of winning that award. Um, my hot take is I want to know who's going to be the leading tackler this year for the Idaho Vandals. Uh, with, the, with the loss of Tony Lashley, their leading tackler, uh, who's going to step up and kind of fill those holes for, for the run defense? Um, they have some good linebackers. Obviously, Caden Ellis, uh, Ed Hall had a, had a bunch of tackles last year. But also their nose tackles, um, Wade Edies, and then uh, DJ Henderson, who's hurt right now, should be playing a pretty big role for their, for their defense this year. I, I feel like you just read me a Vandal Encyclopedia and gave <laughs> zero takes. Do <laughs> you have like a, a hot take or you just – Playing, playing warm or <laughs> playing warm. I want to see uh, how the, how they turn out this year. All right. Well, let's see if uh, if Sean and Martin pick it up. You guys got any hot takes that you think uh, you got for the upcoming season? Yeah, I got one. I think Isaiah Saunders is gonna is gonna run for twenty touchdowns this season. He uh, just became a, a daddy this year. Uh, he just he's he's a new father. He's happily, I believe, engaged and. Uh, 
he's he's going to try and run for that NFL money. He's going to try to make a run uh, to get into a training camp, and, and he's going to be motivated, and he's going to have a B season. I think Isaiah Saunders is going to be a touchdown machine. Uh, mine was along the same thing along with Sean's. It was, uh, I was going to say, uh, Isaiah Saunders was going to win a, a Big Sky player, Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year. And uh, hopefully finish in the top five of Walter Pe- the Walter Payton Award. Yes, I, I think we got it. So that's that's two Walton Payton uh, everybody involved things. So that that <laughs> that'll be interesting. So now we're gonna we're gonna go into this you know the part of the the podcast where we actually get a little bit more substance and we're gonna cover a lot of things. And one thing that I don't know about you guys, but but I'm gonna start the podcast out here with it. Watching all the preseason rankings roll in was really interesting for me because of the situation we're in with. Being the first FBS team to drop down to the FCS, I'm not going to lie. I don't know how you guys feel, but with, you know, the major preseason rankings, I, I feel a little disrespected. I mean, in the FCS coaches poll, we received the most votes outside the top 25, but aren't in the top 25. So I guess that puts us at 26. Hero Sports, which is considered a very, you know, other reputable FCS source, has us at 23rd. And then FCS Stats, which is actually like the official, the version of like the A people for the FBS. They don't even have us ranked, but we are receiving votes there once again. I guess as far as you guys are concerned, I mean, how do you guys take kind of the preseason polls? Where do you think we should be? I think outside of the top 25 is pretty fair. Because when you look at some of the best of the best in the FCS, the top 25, I mean, those are teams that can like Eastern Washington last season even. I mean, that's a team that's capable of going to a Sun Belt team like South Alabama and beating that team. You know, th- those are teams that could probably qualify for bowl games in, in, in certain FBS conferences. And, you know, we went 4-8 and eight last year. It was a little tough season. We could have been, should have been 6-6. Six and six. But I, I feel like outside of the top 25, uh, we have to prove it. We we have to prove it. We have to prove that we are capable of being a, a playoff type team in the FCS level, and so I'm I'm okay with uh, you know being ranked outside of the top twenty because if we we have a an easy ish schedule uh, to start the Big Sky slate. So you know if we start three and one, four and one, uh, I think we'll get some of those deserved top twenty five looks. I completely agree. I I think it is something that we have to earn especially going into, you know, those away games, um, you know, at Montana State, at Eastern, is they're not going to make it easy for us at all. But I think one thing they did look a lot at is our previous year's, you know, stats, record, and schedule. And, you know, that we did beat some FCS schools in there that, you know, we, we handled pretty well. And I think, you know, comparing that to what it would look like this year, I, I think we're going to surprise a lot of teams. I think we're going to surprise kind of the whole FCS and, and maybe have a, a, a better ranking than than what is uh, projected. For me, I, I'm kind of with you, Sean. I don't have a problem being left outside of the top 25 here at the beginning of the year. Just in the fact that, you know, we've never been here before anyway. So, I mean, in a way, let the, let the current teams, they're the teams they at least, they know how to rank them. So, I don't have a problem us being out just in the fact that it, if you're one of these major voters, you don't really know what to expect of Idaho. So, I, I don't have a problem being left out. But I do feel like... We've done enough to, at least Warner, I hope, obviously if we beat Fresno State, I think we should move into the top 25. Uh, and I think even going into the like season, if we start racking up wins, I think we should move up the, the rankings faster than most teams would 
just in the fact that, I mean, if you look at us in, the, what, the last, you know, decade, we've only lost, I think, one FCS team, and it was the year. Eastern, uh, we lost we lost 20 to 3 in Eastern, yeah. two, two Eastern and the 2012 opener. That's the one where Dominic Blackman was suspended. <laughs> shout out. Shout out Vandal Nation yeah. for reporting yeah. the story. <laughs> and that was only, uh, what, a year after uh, – no, it was two years after they won the national championship. But, I mean, that was still – Yeah. I mean, I don't want well, to pull up the record, but I'm pretty sure they've made the playoffs that year. So, it's not like that was a bad Eastern team. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was a pretty good team. Yeah, and Eastern's done multiple times taking down Wazoo. They gave UW, like, all they could handle one year. They gave Oregon Twice all they could they, handle. Like, they beat Oregon State. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, losing the Eastern, there there are bigger boys than us, per se, that have struggled with them. Then, I mean, you look at we beat Wofford. We beat North Dakota big, and we beat them twice. And, you know, those are all – well, North Dakota's leaving the big sky. But, I know, I feel like there's a mentality we need to have that um, we're kind of – we we can't fall into this role that we're all used to of being the, the little kids on the block. We, we have a lot to fight for this year. And like I said, I have no problem being left off these top 25s right now. But I do think we should be able to move up quicker than most teams as they start to realize more of what we are. I was kind of – I think it's being just outside, like, 26, for example, is probably about right where I think they should be, being that, like, we haven't earned anything yet. Let the let our work do the talking for us and not having to expect uh, everything to come to us and get all these – top the praises and stuff going week by week showing them that hey we can succeed here and we will succeed here i have a vote on the fcs fans nation top 10 and i know so i gotta gotta see the inside voting on all that and i can tell you there i don't got more points than i would have guessed from a bunch of people that are you know are big fcs fans people that almost you would think would kind of stick their nose up to an fbs team coming in and thinking they can compete and i mean but we didn't we're not even this you know number 11 in their poll but I mean, that's some fans that I consider. So, you know, not necessarily media members, but some people that have a very good opinion. And, I mean, they, they are putting us somewhere in the top 20, and I'm going to put a little bit more weight on theirs than necessarily the coaches and even Hero Sports, for that matter. But, I don't know, I, I, I think, you know, we all kind of agree that we haven't really earned it. So, yeah. and preseason polls don't mean shit anyways. Covering the big sky ratings is actually where I have more of a problem. Um, I don't know about you guys, but we were picked fourth by the coaches and fifth by the media. I believe I pinned we got one media first place vote, and I believe it was Jay Sanderson from the Bobcat Nation Insider because I was listening to the Bobcat Nation podcast, and he said he picked us number one, and that's our only vote. So I thought that was interesting. But yeah, I mean, where do you guys, what do you guys think about? I guess where you think we should be in the Big Sky, and I, do you have any problems with the coaches having us fourth or the media having us fifth? Uh, you know, fourth, fourth or fifth is fair, uh, because I mean, obviously, you know, Southern Utah was very, very good last year. Weber State very, very good last year. Uh, Northern Arizona made the playoffs, and of course, Eastern Washington was ranked. Um, mm-hmm. I would say fifth is fair because. Even when you when when you pick when you pick Idaho fifth, you're probably saying they're going to go about six and two. And I personally think we could should go seven and one, but six and two is also fair. You know, fifth is fair because again, you know, we have to earn that respect even within our own conference. And that's still picking Idaho ahead of you know probably teams like Montana and Montana State. That also means that it probably wouldn't surprise anybody if we you know have a really good season, go seven and one, and and finish second or third. Yeah, I like that that kind of surprise factor. Um, 
especially, you know, this being the first year in, in that big sky schedule. I think some of the votes are are a little hesitant. You know, they, they don't necessarily want to put us in that top three because they know we're coming down to shake things up a little bit. I mean, it's we are, you know, kind of the big kids on the black coming down to big sky who have been playing in this FBS, you know, have those scholarships, understand how those game works. So they want to keep those, you know, their FCS powerhouses for the big sky in those top, in those top rankings and make sure they fulfill those spots. But um, you, I completely agree that we have to earn it. It's something that we have to earn. And that's probably why they, they kind of put us in that spot, which I like is that we have something to prove. Um, we, we want to come in here and win out that big sky just as bad as, you know, all those other teams do, but there, there is kind of a hesitancy factor for how they will do, you know, it, um, we could, I, I, I like that seven and one call out, but I, um, you never know when a, a big sky team, you know, a, a close rivalry might come in and play a factor in that, in that ranking as well. Yes. Yeah, I, I actually kind of take it as a sign of respect because, um, mm-hmm. They, yeah. they think that we're capable of coming down and winning the conference by putting us in the echelon near Eastern Washington, Northern Arizona, yep. uh, so the teams that made the playoffs last year. See, I guess my only point of this would be, and, and Sean, I guess it's more, a little more directed at you just because I think you'll have a little bit more of an insight on this than most of us, but I'm just kind of surprised how the media had us below the coaches because I would view it as the coaches are thinking kind of what you guys both touched on and like, you know, trying to put us more in our place and be like, don't think you're just going to come into this conference where we have a lot of good teams and you're going to start running. We're prepped for you. We we played FBS teams. We're not scared of you. And so I thought more of the coaches would have us lower. I thought the media might come in, especially it being the FCS, and it is more sparsely covered. So I'm surprised that the media didn't kind of go like, the easy way out more so and be like, all right, Idaho's coming down. What people would consider from D1 to D2. And so I thought maybe the media would put us more like two or three behind Eastern and then maybe like a Weaver State or Northern Arizona. So I was kind of surprised to see we were lower in the media poll and only receiving one you know, first place vote where the coaches, I actually think, gave us more props, which kind of, I guess, swapped me. So I guess your take from the media perspective, I mean, is that something I uh, don't have any weight there? Or? I think all that tells me is that the media, much mm-hmm. like the rest of us, still has no idea how good Idaho is going to be from the jump. Um, and I, I think they, they respect the potential that Idaho has. But I also think the media, um, you know, they look at programs like Southern Utah, Weber State, Eastern Washington, and those are very good teams coming back. And it's it's completely fair to say, no, Idaho shouldn't finish above a Southern Utah this year. Southern Utah made the playoffs. Um, yeah. Eastern Washington was a top 25 team last year. And, you know, in year two of their new coach, you know, so it's completely fair to say that yeah. Idaho shouldn't finish above the, those teams. Yeah, and, and a similar example of kind of how that happened was when all of our other sports besides football went down to the big sky and how they kind of ranked us that first year for, you know, basketball, soccer, or golf, is they're, they're really not quite sure of how we're going to do and, and you know, kind of feel the team out for, you know, how their games come and who, what their schedule looks like is kind of why they're they're setting us right in that middle range for a ranking. I want to build off the because the WAC was yeah. like a very good soccer conference mm-hmm. and, and yeah. we had struggled in the WAC and then bam, we come to the Big Sky, back-to-back yep. Big Sky titles. Because that would be my point too with, with the Big Sky uh, to kind of counter TJ's point there. I, I think personally – 
comparing football to even basketball or any of the other sports is kind of a lot. It's it's more difficult. I mean, you're taking the FBS where you're allowed was it like 23 more scholarships uh, to you know, and bigger money, bigger facilities where like, yes, there's better golf schools and everything. And like, you look at the NCAA tournament, there's definitely better basketball conferences, but the conference champion coming out of almost every single conference compete. I mean, we saw a 16 seed take down one seed this year in the NCAA tournament. So it's not unheard of for these smaller conferences to be just as equal or better. The big boys where I feel like in football, you can take the winner of the Ivy league and you know, they're not beating the, <laughs> champion from even maybe the Mac. I, I don't know. I think football's different. I do think everyone had a good point there, and no one knows what yeah. to expect, and that's yep. kind of why the rankings are coming in. And I just think that it just needs to be noted that football is a little different than the other sports, but I do think you can still use that as a, as a metric. And, mm-hmm. and in terms of the SCS playoffs, the Big Sky has traditionally been one of the strongest conferences. Um, I think yeah. as, of, yeah. as, of, as of late – it's kind of dipped a little bit, probably coinciding with the fall off of Montana and Montana State, but it's still one of the stronger conferences. So mm-hmm. it's 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 definitely not going to be a cakewalk. Uh, I hope you guys are ready. We're going to get a little controversial here. Arguably the most controversial thing happening at the University of Idaho right now. What the heck's going on with our quarterback competition? <laughs> so we got we got five with five guys on the roster. Um, Really only four competing. Colton Richardson, or coined coined by uh, Mr. Sean Kramer, is big sexy. <laughs> Sophomore, he's 6'4", 254 pounds, according to GoVandals.com. You've also got the junior, Mason Petrino, who also is listed at wide receiver. Um, if you actually look at him on GoVandals, he's listed wide receiver slash quarterback. He's six foot, 195 pounds at a Pullman. You have Nick Hill-Nair. Uh, he's an incoming freshman, 6'5", 229 pounds, out of Mercer Island, Washington. Then you have the walk-on incoming freshman, Dane Kaiser, number 18, 6'3", 201 pounds, out of Elk Grove, California. A guy a lot of people were excited to watch this year, Dylan Lemley, who's 6'2", 200, out of Los Angeles, California. However, he's had some great issues, and from everything I've heard, it's uh, he's off the table for the whole season, not just uh, – out of the competition thing. So it's really between those four guys. If we're being honest, Kaiser is a walk-on. She's kind of there for depth because we saw what happened last year. We're really looking at it. It's pretty much Mason and Colton. And I guess I just kind of want you guys' opinion. And I know uh, Sean just wrote an article on it, so make sure you check that out. But uh, maybe go a little bit more in depth and explain it to a couple people that, I don't know, can't read. But if you're a vandal, you can read. So I don't have any Broncos listening, but. Well, we'll go into this a little bit, starting with uh, Sean. I'm curious on your take on him, really, to be honest. Uh, yeah, so I covered both of these guys in, in in high school. I think it was kind of evident even then that Colton Richardson was more built for the college game, especially if we're talking FBS, but now we're talking FCS. And I think he's got the arm strength. He's got the size. He's got the build. You know, I, I've heard from some people that he's kind of losing some weight. Losing some of that belly fat, getting more in shape, which is fantastic. You know, for a guy his size, he's got a little bit of speed. He's got some pocket presence. Um, And and I think with a coach like Paul Petrino and a coach like Charlie Molnar, uh, he's got a lot of potential in the conference like the big sky. Mason was a guy who didn't really look like a college quarterback at at, at Pullman. Uh, You know, they, they ran an offense that kind of utilized his feet and his speed. You know, he's got athleticism. He's small. He's hard to catch. He's hard to track from behind the line of scrimmage. 
you know, but I'll, I'll give him in the last three years, uh, you know, with his dad now at, at Idaho, he's, he's built their arm strength. You know, he's, he's able to, to make some throws that, that he wasn't able to make in high school. But even if I go back to the tape last year, you know, that Coastal Carolina game, almost all of his big plays were kind of short slants and, and screens in which, you know, Ellis and Anunwar were able to, to, to break some yards after catch. And whereas Colton Richardson, who did, definitely did struggle with his accuracy some against New Mexico State and Georgia State, you know, he was still able to, to zip the ball down the field and, and get some real big boy completions. So it, it really doesn't seem to me like it should be as close as it, as it seems it is. And <laughs> if they both kind of play similar to the way they did last year, I'm personally going to be a little disappointed if that's not if that's not Colton's job by week four. God, I would hope by week one, but I know he's not going to do it. But I know, like, yeah, for me, because I'm crazy like this, I went back and rewatched the New Mexico State game and Georgia State game twice, and I think if you literally watched those six quarters, not even, yeah, it was about a full six quarters that Colton got to play. I mean, it's night and day from when he took his first snap against New Mexico State and how he led that team back. I mean, people forget Georgia State won a bowl game last year. He went in and beat a team on the road of one of the longest flights we made last year with coming, like, a, what, nine days off burning a red shirt. It's like, I, I watched that Georgia State game, and it started out slow. It definitely did. He made some mistakes, but as that game went on, I mean, not only did he look good, which usually, you, you know, that's the plus, but he went on that he won that game. I'm with you in the fact that I just don't understand. I mean, you know Paul has a bit of say on the roster on GoVandals.com, I hope, and he hasn't listed as a wide receiver first for Mason. And I do – I like Mason. I mean, I've heard nothing but nice guy – or things about the kid. And um, I do think, you know, if – Colton goes down, he's definitely serviceable, but I'm with you in the fact that I just really don't think – I don't see the competition. I read the old – you know, your old paper, the Spokesman Review. I was on vacation this week, so I got uh, – I was over in the Spokane area, and I read every single article they're pumping out about the Vandals. And, I mean, it looks like Mason's getting 80% of the work out there in the scrimmages. And I'm just sitting there going, how are you saying it's a true quarterback competition when your son's getting – most of the snaps, most of the good snaps, and then you're still claiming it's competition and not even playing the other guy. And I think one thing to look at, I would say, you know, since I have, you know, really focused and, and been a vandal myself, is I, I feel like this is something that we do at the start of every season is we have, you know, maybe two two quarterbacks who really may, you know, could be the starter or should be the starter or, you know, one stands out and, and one doesn't. But it's it's kind of... You know, it's kind of a toss-up. I, I, I think what Petrino's looking for is is somebody that makes the right decisions. You know, that's when, you know, Matt Linehan kind of took over for the past couple of years is because he was making the right throws. Um, He was being smart, not making turnovers. And I think that's something that Petrino really looks for. And if that's in Mason, then, you know, maybe he'll start favoring him a little bit more at the start, but find out that, you know, throughout the season that Colton may – have, you know, a better view, better looks, um, better outcome with, with his smart decisions compared to Mason. So I, I think it's tough until we actually see maybe, you know, that first game, the first series of, of who's ready to make that right decision. Well, and I think, well, well to your point, Mason Petrino is going to make the smarter decisions mm-hmm. just in the fact that he's a junior, he's, you know, he goes home and he still gets to watch tape with, you know, dad and coach. 
where Colton, I mean, was a guy sitting in sweatpants and a ball cap until, you know, the last three weeks of the season right. last year. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I'd like to think even though he's redshirting, he was deep in the playbook and everything. But mm -hmm. I think he hadn't thought he had an extra year and a whole other summer to get down. So then he admitted himself in some of his interviews that he kind of tries to force things a bit. So I think Mason's going to make the smarter plays, but I don't think Mason – anything over 15 yards downfield is a better quarterback. And like Sean said, yep. we can't just rely yep. on screens and quick five-yard slants. We're yep. going to need the deep play threat. We have some serious guys at wide receiver this year, and so we need a guy that can get it to them. Take a risk, toss it downfield. <laughs> I'm kind of quiet, but I kind of think that it, it shouldn't – I like you, Chris, I've watched, I've watched the Georgia State and New Mexico State game a lot, a lot. It shouldn't be a question. It should be Colton's job. I mean, I watch. I watched the spring game, and it, Mason did improve from that Coastal game. But it, it should be Colton's to play. It should be Colton's team. It should be Colton running the offense, and then have Mason maybe coming for like a wildcat package, mm -hmm. like they did. Yeah, like so. If you guys recall in 2012, when when Chad Challich was yep. the starting quarterback, yep. and Josh McCain, and obviously Mason is not the athlete that Josh McCain is, but he could play a similar role. You know, if, if Colton takes 50 snaps, you can give Mason five, six, seven snaps. And, you know, he can run the Wildcat and then a couple of those plays, you know, he, he fakes out the, the defense, something like that. Like, I, I, I would be fine with that because he is an yeah. athlete and he does add something different. But in terms of just being the guy actually running the offense, it's got to be Colton Richardson. Yep. And it's funny because this is a very similar conversation to when we had back then. That was the big thing is do you start Chad Challenge or do you start uh, Matt Linehan? And a lot of people were very upset right. when they went Matt Linehan over Chad, including Chad, <laughs> who obviously <laughs> left for Montana and did find some success later in his stint there with Montana. So, I mean, and I, I like Chad. He's actually, you know, a guy I have some good experiences with. Great. But he, He's a great guy. But as a quarterback – I still, I still think we would have won some games. I still think we would have had a shot to make a bowl in 2016. But I, I look taking a step back, reevaluating the whole scenario. Matt Linehan was the right choice. Sean, you, you claimed him as, as the Tubbs at the club pick, and I feel like it's the universal <laughs> pick, not just. I like that. Big, big, sexy, slimming down the slim, sexy. I think's our pick. But the the uh, the pride of Lewiston. Pride of yeah. Lewiston. <laughs> TJ actually brought up a good point. And it's something that I actually wanted to talk about because I totally forgotten about this. He brought up Luton, you know, our quarterback two years ago out of Marysville. Jake Luton. Who transferred yeah. to Oregon State. State. Nick Hill Hill, or Nick Hill Nair from Mercer Island. Kid 6'5", 230. I mean, he's what you look <laughs> for in a quarterback. I don't know if you guys follow. Oh, God, I, I'm going to get crap for not remembering his name. But he's a guy on Twitter and Instagram. I think he works for the Lewiston Tribune. He's been posting. Is it Colton? No. Um, Colton Clark. Colton Clark, Colton Clark, yeah. He's been posting a lot of stuff of the stuff, of like all the training and the quarterback drills. I don't think Nick Hilnair looks that bad. I understand that it's probably a lot of a playbook thing, but I really feel like he might be getting shortcutted here, not getting more looks, especially with the new redshirt rules that you get four games. If we're really beating Western New Mexico, really oh, down yeah, absolutely. Fresno, I would like to see him get some serious look. Absolutely, yeah. With 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 the new redshirt rules, I would say yeah. Given given because I mean that type of thing would have really helped out a kid like Jake Luton. Yeah. When when he was yeah. a true freshman here, that would have helped. That would have really helped out a kid like Matt Linehan in in twenty thirteen. Um, you know, if, such as when we were getting blown out forty two zero by Wazoo. Yeah, just bring in Matt, 
get him some looks. That would have been really cool. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Um, because I think he's a kid that should redshirt this year because you're still playing the long game. You know, you're still yeah. playing. We got multiple still, championships to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're still playing the long game with this program because at this point, I do kind of think, and I kind of alluded to that in my article, if Paul's still here now, if he's still here now, I feel like he feels like he wants to see this through maybe at least three years or something like that. So yeah, you don't just throw a kid like that into the competition. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I would like to see him. Um, I've heard some good things from my, uh, from some people and, back home. And, and a side note on that too, with, with the new redshirt rules for, I guess people that don't know, I assume everyone that listens to this knows, but the new rules, you can play four games without your red shirt and then after four games you're still able to be red shirted and i don't know where this landed but i remember paul actually brought it up in one of his uh post scrimmage interviews they're actually pursuing the option to regain colton's red shirt from last year yeah because he came in in the last two games so there is a possibility that colton could be a red shirt freshman again going into this year which kind of like you said that's valuable experience coming in at the end of the year there obviously we wish we would have known this rule was coming we could have started him all those games so that's something to think about we come week one he could be a redshirt freshman i don't know where that's where they're at in that process but something to look forward to and you know north north dakota state built a dynasty and when they thought that dynasty was over carson wentz came along nikhil nair could be our carson wentz <laughs> so let's win a couple with colton and then let's just roll out nikhil nair and people are like who's this cat and it gets people excited too, you know. It, it gets Vandals excited for the future, kind of get a little taste of, of what a, what a quarterback will see looks like. And especially for Nick Hill, you know, get get confidence with the team, get connected, be out there on the field uh, for the for the previous Islander to uh, get some experience. And that the three quarterbacks putting in time right now are within three hundred miles <laughs> or of the city of Moscow. Is awesome. You love that having yeah. having local kids. All Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that's 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 huge. That's important because if you go back and look at when the Big Sky, when we were a Big Sky power, you know, where's Scott Linehan from? He's from Sunnyside, yep. Washington. Where's yep. where's where was Freeze from? Coeur d'Alene, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it, it, it it's bringing the Pacific Northwest. Uh, where's Doug Nesmeyer from? He's born in Portland, Oregon. You know, it's, yeah, it's, 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 I like that one. Yeah. So, and, you know, even, even just in general, even some of the kooks, great guys, you know, you got Bledsoe's from Montana. Walla Walla. Bledsoe's from Walla Walla. Walla Bledsoe. Yeah. Or Walla Walla. Uh, Ryan Leaf was from Montana. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you got, I mean, there, there are guys out here that can ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to point fingers down south, but they found a pretty good guy out of Prosser. So, I mean, they're, they're kids yeah. in the area. That, you know, I, I think that it's nice that now we're more forced to look at that. Where before we were trying to do the whole, like, California, Texas. Especially, especially with the big sky. It's going to make a lot of games interesting when they may come from uh, that area. They should have got them or, you know, nearby. It, it'll make it pretty exciting for those big sky games, too. Yeah. I just got a quick question for all three of you guys, and then we'll move on to the next subject here. But uh, it just kind of hit me while we were going because it reminded me of something I saw on allvandals.com. Mason Petrino, if you had to pick right now, if we could have this guy or Mason, Gunner Amos or Mason Petrino, who do you think would actually be a better quarterback for the University of Idaho? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go uh, Gunner. 
Yeah, go ahead. I'd say Gunner. Just kind of like it did. It he just looked more like a quarterback than a wide receiver <laughs> playing quarterback to me. See, I'll go Mason just because of the smarts. And I'm not saying Gunner's dumb. I'm just thinking like there's something to be said about your dad being a coach, and he does make good reads. I don't remember what his stats were exactly, but he only had like eight incompletions on like 43 attempts in the scrimmage. But so he's smart. So I guess I would take Mason, but I was also never really a big Gunner guy. I would say through and through Mason. Gunner Gunner is a great athlete, amazing athlete. Uh, but as far as – And he can't, goes, he can't start at Idaho State right now. I mean, not to say that that um, Geller kid's any bad. I mean, that kid can throw. But the kid's not even start. He transferred out because when we put him at safety and he can't even start at Idaho State. So <laughs> I, I, I think Gunner was certainly the better player in <laughs> high school. But I, I, I mean, I think Mason being with his dad, and his dad is obviously – damn good at developing quarterbacks i suppose if you had to make me pick between those two um regardless i'm i'm happy to have mason petrino on the roster on the team he's a smart headset guy i want i think he can be utilized you know well you know slot receiver scat back you know things like that i think i think he adds something to the offense so I'm, i'm i'm glad to have him on the team Dude, and trick plays i don't care if we he never throws the ball this season if we move him back to wide receiver that just for, like messes the entire defense's playbook up, and the fact knowing that he spent all fall camp at quarterback, mm-hmm. like they're scared every time he catches the ball, especially behind the line of scrimmage, that's gonna be like a double pass, whether we do it or not. So mm-hmm. I agree, he's good to have on the roster. All right, so moving on because we could talk all day, I'm sure, mm-hmm. on the quarterback competition. Um, but now I kind of want to know your guys' ex- expectations for the season. We're gonna go through the schedule here in a bit, so um, but more. Where, what do you see? What are you expecting from the Vandals this year? One thing I'm, I'm pretty excited about for this season in general, you know, there's a lot of predictions for the record itself, but I, I'm excited about kind of our travel games and, and how we handle those. Instead of traveling to Appalachian State, Southern Georgia, um, you know, Texas State, all those Southern schools, is how we'll handle these away games where it's right in our backyard. Step up to Idaho State and Eastern and Montana State and, and really show that not only in the Palouse but in the in the Northwest, we're here to stay, we're here to dominate, and you know we want to be here. So as far as um, expectations for the season, I think it it's a good opportunity. It's going to be a lot thrown at us. I mean, a lot of teams want to beat us, but it's a good opportunity for us to come out and, you know, kind of punch some guys in the mouth and show, show that we're here. And I think I want to make that statement more than anything, you know, not, not try and win out, not try and get to that championship, although that would be nice, but let people know that we're set up. We have a program here. You know, I, I, I expect success. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, Paul, if Paul Petrino is still here after, you know, he's by far the highest paid coach in the big sky, uh, you know, I, I I expect success. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean we have to make the playoffs this year. I expect building blocks toward that, building blocks toward competing for Big Sky championships regularly. So uh, I'm I'm hoping for. I expect you know seven and four with a six and two conference record, uh, eight and three, seven and one conference record. You know, I, I think we don't play Weber State this year. We don't play Northern Arizona this year. Yeah. Um, true. Uh, so uh, our schedule is certainly easier than it could have been. So, yeah, I, I, I expect uh, the program to kind of really get used to the expectation of winning more games than we lose on the regular. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of 
like Sean, just like expecting more, expecting along the lines of expecting to win a lot more than in years past. I know it's, it, I'm kind of expecting like hopefully seven and one, maybe like you maybe just a loss to Eastern or just uh just like overall like a lot more, just a lot more success than we've had in years past with like four wins and three wins and even one wins, one win seasons. My expectation, and maybe I should have let off this for my my corner school take, but I expect us to win the whole, well, the whole dang thing. Um, that being said, we'll go through the schedule later, and it might not make as much sense when you hear my schedule predictions. But I'm talking more in the terms of attitude, and Sean did a really good job of kind of capturing this in his article. I mean, we got to get out of this mindset that we're this bottom dweller. I mean, this is what people wanted, right? People were tired of losing, so we moved to the big sky. So quit acting like we're going to lose, and let's wake up and expect to win every game. I don't care if we're playing Eastern. I don't care if we're playing North Dakota State, Montana. I want us every single game we go into thinking we're going to win. Now, don't get me wrong. You wake up the last week of the season, we're playing Florida. That's okay. You can take that one off. I'm fine with that. But as far as the FCS goes, this is what you wanted. You thought we should be more competitive. Our history shows that when we are an FBS team, which we pretty much still are, to quote Jesse Basher, great quote on the FCS Fans Nation, they're all bragging about all these FBS transfers they got. And he said, the thing you guys are forgetting is Idaho's entire roster is FBS transfers. (laughs) I think people need to realize that we're in a really good spot here to run the table. And I've talked to a lot of guys on this podcast that have a lot more experience in the FCS, have been following their teams for years. Um, There are some powerhouses in the FCS, Montana, Montana State, James Madison, North Dakota Eastern. And, I mean, they don't have the highest opinion on us either. A lot of them think we're going to do just fine. We're going to make the playoffs. And, I don't know, I'm really going for the whole thing. I'm expecting semifinals. I really think we can come in and destroy stuff. Not so much in the regular season, as we'll see later, but I think if we can get to the playoffs, I really like our chances of being able to prepare that quick because we're used to preparing that quick and going way down south. And so my expectation is just more the fan base. Wake up, get engaged. You got what you wanted. You got Eastern. You got Montana. You got Mon- They're coming to the Dome. Get out. Get your tickets. And let's go. It, it's game time. It's time to rev up because the last thing I want to see is us become Idaho State. If we have a mindset that we're going to be losers, we're just going to become a loser because it can be very institutional. I think we need to switch our mindset to we're going to win and we're going to win now and we're going to win big. Sorry, that's my soapbox. I'm like stepping it. off the soapbox. We made this move to expect something. They're all expecting, like, oh, this is Idaho. They're always going to lose. They never win anything. And I, like you, kind of went off on them. Like, no, we should be good. We should win. We should expect to win almost every single Big Sky game. We should be we should be a lot better than we have been in the past. Yeah, it's been trying to change like the mindset of everybody just thinking we're all going to lose. It's going to be it's going to be another terrible season. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know. Everybody here might have been able to go to the game, but I know Sean would have been there. When you fill that dome, which the last time you know was Boise State in 2010, and then you know 2009 against Colorado State. When that thing is packed, I mean, like, Colorado State came in there, and they should have beat us. To be honest, that year they should have beat us. We, we beat them. And, you know, Boise State didn't turn out the way we wanted to. But, I mean, that atmosphere, if we're packed and we're excited and we want it, I really don't think there's a lot of FCS teams that can come in and win. Now, that being said, I think we're in the conference that a lot of teams can because they're used to playing in Montana, mm-hmm. Montana State. That's very similar in atmosphere. But, I, I don't know, I just want people to get – Dry, dump out that beer, put on their T-shirt, 
So they're forced to go into that dome in November, and let's get this team to the playoffs and make a deep run at it. I'm past that. Yeah. I think I think yeah. I, I said what I think, and I think this will kind of get a little bit more into what everybody thinks because we're going to kind of cover the schedule. But with that, we actually have a, a quick question from those that listened to the last podcast, the Big Sky Preview. Montana Parlay um, actually got cut off there right at the end as part of those technical difficulties. So he wasn't able to ask me his uh, getting ice question. So I'm going to play that for you guys right now. And then uh, we'll actually have all four of us respond to it. My question for the Vandals is, with the first game streaming on Facebook exclusively, how will the Idaho bars handle this situation? We've been discussing a similar topic at the Mint and we found that oftentimes with these new streaming techniques, bars have no idea what to do, and your more traditional fans are quite upset. So will the bars be able to handle the Facebook stream game? It, it's going to be interesting having Facebook stream the first game. I, I'm excited for it because, as, as a lot of us know, it's been hard to get Vandal games in the past. Whereas now that we have it on Facebook, just about everybody has Facebook. So I think we should be able to do pretty well streaming it. I don't know how that will affect the bars, but I mean, are you guys a little worried about it? I mean, Sean, I know you're international. <laughs> it's great. It's great for me. I can just, uh, that game will be on at 10 a.m. Oh. Sunday. So I'll just be able to you're roll. set. I'll be able to roll yeah. out of bed and then, bam, <laughs> pop it up on my phone. A little Bloody Mary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, the past couple seasons playing in the Sun Belt, uh, not only fans but bars have been getting used to find whatever means extremes to to watch the game itself. So you know, I, I'm kind of used to streaming, finding that you know right website and and, and putting it up on the TV to kind of stream it. So I think Vandal fans are definitely ready to find find whatever means necessary to watch the game, and Facebook should only help out. But I will say I think Facebook adds that bit of a challenge, and mm-hmm. the fact that, like, we'll talk about the, the rest of our televised games here in a second, but, I mean, it's definitely the most difficult to get. We, we reached out to one of the bartenders at the Corner Club, and they weren't too sure on how they're going to get it, but, I mean, I don't have any doubt that there's a will, there's a way. They'll, they'll find a way to get the game broadcast, but... I don't know. I, I think Facebook adds that challenge, but I wouldn't be too worried about it. If I was in Moscow, hmm. the only bar I would expect to have it would probably be the Corner Club. Um, I would just go to another bar. That's true. There's nowhere else I'd want to watch it. So <laughs> maybe that's why that's the reason I expect it to be there. But that's kind of my answer on the Facebook question, unless there's anything else anybody else has to add on the, the Facebook Live. I, I got to watch a Mariners game on it this year. It's actually incredibly easy to use. You literally just search for it, and it pops up, and I mean, it's great quality, but have, have any of you guys gotten to watch anything on the Facebook Live as far as sporting events? Wasn't the UNLV game a couple of years ago on Facebook Live? Or oh. I believe so, yeah. Was it? Yeah, first game of the season. Anything too difficult. It was just yeah. get along on Facebook and just you start watching it. Oh, right. well, that ma- I was at the game. That makes sense. Yeah. That's why I, didn't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that. He was Facebook Live. <laughs> and I don't know how many people know, but you can get every single game on TV this year, which will be great. I guess you could before with ESPN3, but in my opinion, I've had a little bit of experience with it now with the basketball team, and I think this is a lot easier to get it. Most people in the Northwest are able to get root sports. That's going to be huge for all those people. If you don't, you live outside the region, those are going to be your tricky games. That's at Montana State, at Eastern Washington, and home against Montana, which kind of stinks because that's you know the best game. So if you can't get those on TV, especially Montana, you might as well just go to the game. 
But all the other games on this awesome app called Pluto, uh, it's Pluto TV. It's free to download on like any smart TV, Apple TV, Chrome stick, whatever you've got. And I've used it to watch our basketball team last year. Uh, I watched Idaho versus Boise State soccer on it. Like, it, it's a pretty nifty app. The U of I gets its own channel on it uh, when we're playing. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have used it, but I personally, I mean, they're not paying us. This isn't sponsored. I wish they were, but they're not. But I'll give a solid plug to Pluto TV and watchbigsky.com for, for watching games. So I'd do the same. I remember, like, when I go to my mom, my parents and my mom in Arizona, I'd just be able to watch all the Idaho games when Big Sky play starts for basketball. And it's nice to be able just to pop it on and watch it and not have to worry about any sort of finding, like, a stream to watch or find, like, a radio stream or something like that. Because I remember back in the day, I used to, like, I walked down to the sub to perfectly, like, get the free internet because you get ESPN3 for free when you're on the university Wi-Fi. So I would do that and watch all the games. And this is so much easier that I don't need a subscription or a specific cable provider or internet provider. I can just, boom, I have internet. I can get Pluto TV. So I'm excited for that personally. Um, I mean, I, I am pumped for that for that streaming streaming device, but... I'm really excited to get on Root Sports and get a broadcast going. Uh, I think it's something Idaho should have been in part of, you know, for the past years is having at least one or two games broadcasted in the Dome, you know, getting people in and getting them excited for Root Sports, but especially for the games they have. I mean, Montana State at Montana State, that that that's exciting, just going there for our first time in the big sky and, and having that televised Eastern Washington which they have plenty of, of roof sports games. And that on the red field, I'm not too excited to look at the red field for the whole game, but I'm excited for it to be on root sports. And then obviously versus Montana at home in the Kibbe Dome. I'm not sure when the last time root sports has ever even been in there, but that's going to be such a cool atmosphere for not only the university, um, for the football team, for the rivalry, and just to have that televised. I, I'm going to find some place to set up get all my friends and, and watch it on root sports for sure see my my warning would be the cord cutters like myself i, <laughs> yeah. I used both playstation view youtube tv and now i've made the switch to sling tv because it's a pac-12 network one they're getting more expensive and two none of them have root sports right now which has sucked for the mariners um but i've sent some nasty worded emails that they should figure it out by college football season i'm sure they <laughs> care exactly what my opinion is so they'll get it done but if you are thinking about cutting your cord Beware that Root Sports is currently not available on any of them, but luckily most bars in the Northwest do have Root Sports. I'm sure Type A has Root Sports. Yeah, Sean. Yeah. What's your plan? Uh, boy, I do not know. I think I think I can use someone's Comcast. There you go. To like watch like a live Comcast. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Well, yeah. And you have Pluto. Pluto, you can, I assume you can get in Taipei. I guess. I don't know. Pluto, <laughs> and I have the app right here on my phone, and of course, Facebook. So then we're going to kind of cover the schedule. And Sean kind of already gave us his record. So we're kind of going to go through, and I want everybody to kind of give win loss and maybe a quick reason on it because we're, we're starting to run a little long here, and we have a couple more things. But uh, we'll run through at Fresno State week one. What are you guys taking? We'll start with you, Sean. Uh, Fresno State, uh, Jeff Tedford's program is, is rolling. That'll be a tough game. Uh, yeah, especially with how they're growing in the last couple of years. Uh, I might say it's going to look pretty tough for us to pull out a win, but other than that, we're going to have a lot of opportunity to grow and kind of see what our guys are made of uh, right off the start. So I'm going to go, oh. Yeah, I'm kind of same thing. It's going to be an L. Hopefully it'll be close, but maybe it'll be down like a final drive, but it'll, Fresno State, I think, will win. <laughs> well, 
I'm going to be contrarian just to be a contrarian here. I'm going to say we win. And if you want to know why, you'll have to tune in to next week's podcast. Next week, at home, home opener in the Dome, Western New Mexico, which is an actual Division Two team. Uh, for people that don't know, the FCS is not Division Two. Sean? <laughs> uh, Idaho's going to win, of course. Yeah, I think this is our, you know, tune-up game for, you know, F- FBS, FCS, D2, regulation. I'm going to go win. Go win, too. It's going to be – it won't be close. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I am also going to go win. I think Colton Richardson t- uh, tosses five touchdowns and walks at the quarterback job. Actual interesting game, in my opinion. The next week, we're at UC Davis. Who's their coach? Uh, that guy who was dumb enough to leave Boise State for Colorado. Yeah. And start his son at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Martin? When I just think it'll be, they'll all be excited to play, and hopefully, hopefully the players will be excited to play in the Big Sky, and they'll pull out a, pull out a, hopefully a comfortable W. Yeah, I, I like Martin's pick there. I hope they fire him up and get down to UC Davis and and get a win there and get pumped. All right, TJ's got a W, Sean. It's it's gonna be a a close 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 one possession win that uh, mm-hmm. kind of gets us excited for the Big Sky. I'm gonna go L just because I do think we get slipped up somewhere along the way to a team we shouldn't lose to. I think to Dan Hawkins, somehow he'll make this a rallying call for his players, and they'll be a little bit more juiced. Speaking of, uh, I don't think any Idaho player even knows who Dan Hawkins is. Paul Petrino might not even. Uh, but I think he'll find a way to so I've beaten these guys 60 to 3 multiple years. We can do it, and we're at their place. Plus, I have us beating Fresno State. And New Mexico, I think maybe they ride in a little a little high there. But then we're, we're back home and we're against Portland State. And I'll start this one off. And I'm saying we win. That team didn't win a game last year. I don't think they'll be that bad this year. But uh, I really just – I Portland State's a team I don't think we'll ever lose to or should ever lose to unless something dramatically changes. So I'll go W. Yeah, I'm going win. <laughs> uh, w, it shouldn't be close. Do they still play at the – Portland Timbers Stadium? Yeah, they they do. don't even have they, – they're, they're homeless. Yeah, they'll play Montana State in Hillsborough Highest Stadium. And they played Montana there last year. They lost to Idaho State by 29 last year. Yeah, there's no way Idaho's losing that game. Which then brings us up. We're uh, Battle of the Domes. We're in the mini-dome. I don't care what they call it these days. It's the mini-dome. We will uh, – Martin, let's start with you this time. Do we lose to the Bengals? No, it, it, there won't be. Hopefully, like Portland State, it won't be close. At least it shouldn't be close. I think it's, it's going to be an important game, especially where, where it sits in our schedule as far as Big Sky. But I think it's going to be a win, and I think it's going to be a big Boise presence that actually drives down to Pocatello and, and their first real big away game. And, and makes an appearance there and gets loud and pushes our team to a win there. Sean, did I hear you give a W? I thought I heard you. We're never going to lose to Idaho State for as long as I live. <laughs> I love Every single podcast I've posted at this point, they've asked me how big of a rivalry that really is. And I've got it's, it's, it'll only be a rivalry if we start losing to them. We won't let it. <laughs> um, I'm definitely going W there as well. I do think they're going to get up for it a lot more than we're going to. But I honestly just don't think – I mean, no offense, the Geller brothers are good. Yeah, I don't think we lose in pokey. I just, I really, really do not see us losing to them. It takes us to what might be the first couple of real swings here. The next week, we're at Montana State, our first root sports game. A little side note for those that aren't aware, it is Montana State's homecoming. I don't know if that matters, but something to take in consideration. And because of that, 
I'm going to start with Sean. Uh, I think we lose this one close. I think it's a good football game. This might be the year that uh, Jeff Choate uh, kind of gets Montana State up to that to that next level they've been looking for. I think that'll be kind of one that's definitely a losable game. So I'm going to say we dropped a four and two. Now that you mentioned the homecoming thing, I think it'll probably be their first, hopefully they're probably their first big, big sky loss. It'll, they might be like, they'll be, obviously the Montana fan, Montana State fans will be excited to, excited for their homecoming and then it'll probably be make it just a little too much for Idaho. I think it, it may be something different for, for that game specifically. I, I think that coach does have what it takes to uh, pump him up, getting fired him up for the first half, and definitely the fans will. But I think it'll be a, a Vandal shootout in the end where we come through, maybe push it to overtime, double overtime, and come out with, with a win in uh, Bozeman. All right, and then for me, I had the luxury of hanging out and having a few brews with a former Montana State safety from back in the day. And he's rather confident that we're going to win this game. I found out Bozeman has a corner club spelled with two Ks. So I will be at this game. And I will right. start the fight song at the corner club in Bozeman. <laughs> so there's nice. no way I'm picking us to lose this one. I, I, and to be honest, I mean, they have a quarterback controversy going on too. Their starter, Chris Murray, got banned for the season, much like Dylan Lumley for grades. I think they have some issues going on there. Um, I think Choate's a good coach. But I think maybe they've got a little bit too much going on and they're not ready for Idaho. I give us a W. Which then takes us to our homecoming back home in the Dome, Southern Utah. Let's start with TJ. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not sure. Um, I know there is a lot of hype behind Southern Utah and I haven't. Um, I think in the Dome for homecoming, we have all the alumni there. We get fired up. Uh, Martin? Yeah, I kind of think it's it'll – I do think it'll, I think it'll be a lot closer than expected and maybe uh... – It'll probably maybe it'll probably be maybe a touchdown, maybe a Cade Coffee field goal at the end of the game to win it for us. But I think Idaho will squeeze by squeeze by Southern Utah in this one. Yeah, I mean we usually do really really well on homecoming. Um, I think even with the FCS drop, people will still come home. Uh, we'll still have a lot of vandals coming home for this. And uh, you know I think at three and one. In the conference, there's going to be a lot on the line, and I think Idaho wins. Perfect. And then uh, I'm the same way. I'm glad you brought it up. Well, I guess no, you stole my thunder. I just played Thunderbirds. But uh, uh, we've only <laughs> lost, I think, one year on homecoming in like the last 18 years or something ridiculous like that. So I think that was last season. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we're on the downtrend now. But, I mean, it's homecoming. Like you said, with the way we're even picking, we're going to be on pretty hot going into this. This might be a lot of people's first real look at, you know, I'm excited to go watch these Vandals play. It's homecoming. I'm I'm making the drive up. And a fun fact, just for the way the season's going, they're completely sold out of RV spots for the whole season. So whether – I know there's a lot of FCS uh, haters out there, but whatever the season ticket or the, the ticket office is doing, they're selling tickets. I don't think homecoming's going to be any different. I think we get a W in this, which then takes us to at Eastern Washington on Route Sports. Um, I've already talked about this, I believe, in the two previous podcasts, so I, I won't get too into it. I just think we're not quite ready for the environment. Um, we're maybe a little too high in this game. I actually give us an L to Eastern Washington. Yeah, um, I, I hate to say it, and I really, really, really want to beat these guys, especially for where they are located to us and, and the rivalry that's about to come. 
But they, I think they're going to come out and they're not going to want to lose to us on their home turf the first time we're in the big sky. I think they're going to kind of give us an awakened call for what the big sky and the top tier of the big sky is going to look at look like. And uh, I think we're going to come out with a loss in Cheney. I'll give it to them this year. I mean, they, they, they don't have the facilities. They don't have the budget. They don't have the academics. And they don't necessarily have a lot of the history for the last decade. Uh, that program has been absolutely rolling. So I'll give it to them this year. But I think once you give Idaho a couple years, I think we will beat them more times than we will lose to them. I think it's going to be a loss. It's going to be – Eastern's just going to probably be too good for us. So it's we'll probably four L's, a... guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But it's just – I think Eastern's probably just really good. I mean, giving them credit, they are really good. I think it'll probably it'll, – it's going to be a shootout. Uh, and it's going to be the start of a great Palouse rivalry as well. I, many years to come. I, I agree. So then we're, we're back home. We final two home games of the year. People might be a little downtrodden after that. L, we got North Dakota. What start, Martin? Uh, they're going to get that W. I just died there. That's, that's all I can really say. I don't really know that much about North Dakota, but just the homer in me says Idaho's going to win. Uh, yeah. we. I think we're going to feel some of the pressure uh, that – you know, hey, look, if we win these last two big sky games, we might be in a position to talk about playoffs. And so I think that's going to motivate the team, and we're going to beat North Dakota a little comfortably. TJ? Yeah, I, I agree with that mentality of we're right in that sweet spot for for hitting the tournament, and we'll come out with a win at, versus North Dakota. For me, it's no question we're 4-0 all-time against North Dakota. Last time we played them, we won like 45-10 in the Dome. So, um for us, it's a conference game. For them, it's not. They're independent. None of their games count towards anything in conference. But every time we play them, it does. It's just going to mean more to us, especially coming off the L against Eastern. We're going to feel that heat. I think it's easy, and I think it might be our biggest win of the year. I think we might beat them more than we beat Idaho State and Portland State. Another another hot take on this podcast, but I'm giving us a W. Which then takes us to the Little Brown-Stein game. For those of you that don't know, get used to that term. Home against Montana. It's the last game in the Dome. It's the only game on Route Sports in the Dome, and it's pretty heated. I'm giving us the W. I think that Montana, if you look at them, and I don't want to get too into them because if you, you want to, you can. there's tons of avenues to follow both Montana schools. They're doing a complete system change this year. Bobby Houck is a big, uh, I want a fullback, I need tight ends, and that just wasn't what Bob Stitt was. Bob Stitt was very aired out, very Mike Leach throw the ball all around the yard. Uh, he doesn't have a fullback. He doesn't really have true tight ends. We have arguably, I think, the best defense in the big sky, arguably maybe in the country coming in. We played all those Sun Belts the last couple of years. I think we are a little bit too much to handle for Montana, and I think they drive a little brown sign over for us, and we keep it. Yeah, I, compl- I, I, I like that a lot, especially with the defense. I mean, we have some, some serious tacklers uh, and DBs that are going to, you know, really mess with Montana's new offensive system. And then I think by that time in the season, we'll have that significant quarterback picked out and he's ready to roll and show up and win a rivalry game that, you know, the Vandals haven't seen in a long time. Uh, I think it's going to be a W. It's just with with it being dad's weekend and senior day, that dome is going to be hopefully be rocking. Great point, yeah. Just loud as can be. Hopefully it'll just be too much for uh, Montana to uh, handle. And also an important point that this game will not, I don't believe, coincide with Thanksgiving break. So students will actually be in town. 
<laughs> and usually a lot of times I've covered a lot of senior day games where it's over the break. It's so that- it's just it's a it's a barren atmosphere at the dome. It's really just like the players' yeah. families. That's uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It can just be awkward sometimes, like being just the band and maybe a few screens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like it's, this game is perfect. It's very important um, that there will be a lot of people there. And it's basically a, a situation where if we don't win, there's no conversation for the playoffs. But if we win, we're sitting at 6-2, and two, uh, maybe 7-1 and one in, in the conference. I think it's a must-win for Idaho, and I think we will get it done. I think it'll be tight. It'll be close because uh, there's going to be – Probably like a thousand or so Montana fans making the trip over too, but I I, I think we'll win. we'll win that game. Yeah, and and just I mean we all are taking it for W's, but another thing for the person out there still might be doubting us, Montana State or Montana's biggest game is the next week against Montana State. Cat Grizz, Brawl the Wilds, Continental Divide. They're going to be a little bit more focused, I think, on that game because they haven't lived this rivalry yet. Where Idaho, this is our new Boise State. This is our new Wazoo. We're going to be up. We're going to be ready. And I think they're going to be a little eye peeking to Cat Grizz. Obviously, they're probably hopeful of the playoffs, so I don't think they'll sleepwalk through it, but something to keep out there. And then it takes us to the last conclusion. And uh, I'll just chalk up everybody for L's unless anybody wants to make a solid case for us beating Florida in Gainesville. I predict. I, I heard. Uh, I predict I heard that we I, will complete the game. <laughs> you think what? I yeah. predict that we will complete the game. I was gonna say we're all we're all hoping for lightning in the zero, forecast. Zero in the fourth, yeah. Um, Sean, I know you you were keeping track, but that puts you having us at seven and four. Yep. Martin, you also have us at seven and four, and that puts TJ and I both at eight and three. In a way, the seven and four is a little bit more dangerous since we saw Eastern miss the playoffs with the seven and four record last year. But I mean, that's with you two all having us both lose to Florida. And Fresno State, which I have on good accords, really like only losing one and a half games. So really, you have us at like seven and three and a half, right? And a lot better. Northern Arizona <laughs> made the playoffs last year at seven and four as well. Yeah. So I mean, by no means are we out of it. And like I said, playing Florida and Fresno State, they're going to give us some, you know, some slack for that. And even your losses against Montana, that's at Montana State. They're, Eastern, I mean, we'll have a good resume. Our schedule's set up for us to really make a stand. TJ and I have um, doing pretty well. And like I said, I have them winning. I think, like I said, we lose to Eastern. I think Eastern gets tripped up maybe once or twice. And then that gets us the conference championship and a seeded berth mm-hmm. into the playoffs. But that's just me. So now we're getting to the segment of Ask TATC. We did end up getting one question from Whack Sparty Pants. That's actually three questions. Um, first uh... one. And I, we'll just start. We'll go for all these. We'll go Sean, Martin, TJ, myself. Uh, is Eastern Washington a rival? In parentheses, the only answer is no. But uh, he's asking us, so I guess he's curious on our answer. Sean, what do you think? Is Eastern a rival? I think it will be because we won't beat them maybe the first two seasons, and it's going to be frustrating. I'm not sure they're going anywhere in terms of how important they are to beat in the big sky. Uh, I, I think it'll be like a temporary rivalry, but as soon as either they or Idaho has a downturn, I think the fan bases will become apathetic toward each other. I I think it is as much as it pains me to say, I think it is a rivalry that will, it, it, it might be a little bit before we might think of it as one, but I think it will eventually become one that we, we both we just hate each other to it. We both will get to that point. 
I think after this first year, it will be set in place. I think it kind of already has uh, through our other sports. I mean, you know, basketball, soccer is physical for them. Even down our club sport, our that hockey game, the Eastern Idaho hockey games is, you know, it gets heated. It's kind of a rivalry. So I think every Vandal knows when you're driving to Spokane, there's plenty of Eastern Washington signs uh, right, right in our area. So they'll be excited for the proximity to uh, the next college next to us. So I'm just going to answer it for you guys. You guys all said, no, it's not a rivalry. Uh, But you all said it's going to be. Mm -hmm. I'll say I'm making it a rivalry. I was in Spokane this past weekend. I purposely stopped at Bruce Field. I took a picture, a selfie of my Vandal shirt. I got big Vandal stuff all over my car. I was letting them know. I'm drumming it up all on my own. We're bringing rivalry to this game. (laughs) Um, The next question he asked, hashtag ask TATC, how strong is the hate for Montana? And I'll, I'll start with this one. Um, I am a big forums guy, and I follow, I read the Egress stuff. And it's a very, I think the older generation still views this as one of their biggest rivals, some even more so than Montana. They're crazy, but they view it. And some of the younger people view Eastern as more of their rival because they played them more recently for more meaningful games. I think our hate's not there. I don't think a lot of us hate Montana. Uh, just because we always had Nevada, Boise State, and Wazoo, too, where they really just had us in Montana State for a while there. But I will tell you this, that a lot of people that graduated before 94 uh, absolutely despise the University of Idaho from Montana's point. I think when their fan base shows up <laughs> on our university, it, it will quickly escalate and become a rivalry, you know, known around the Pacific Northwest. I think it is strong when I've when I, every Montana fan that I have interacted with has always has some joke to say about Idaho, whether it be at the Big Sky Tourney when I was in Reno or talking to friends that have graduated from there. They both like to poke little jabs at Idaho and say, look at you guys, you guys are doing terrible. I think it is very real, but it, it will amplify once they come to us on November 10th. I worked with a really annoying Montana alum at the Lewis and Tribune, so I hope we beat the crap out of them every year so I can talk shit to him. Great answer. Good. I'm just cutting ours. We're putting that one in. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll ask it. Uh, he then also asked the third one. Hashtag ask TATC. What can we do to find in all caps the King Spud? I don't know what that means. It's a it's a mascot. It's a dude in a potato costume. Wait, like the like the state of Idaho one? I think so. The guy in, like, the red sweater? Maybe Mr. Spud. Oh, is this, like, oh, is that, like, a joke about the whole, like, trailer that carries around the big freaking potato? Well, that's crap. That's a stupid question. I don't, (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know we're old enough Idahoans to know what the hell that is. Well, you asked it, and we answered it, Wax Marty Pants. But if anybody does have the answer, please tweet us. Tweet us us at Tubbs at the Club, and make sure you hit the follow button. Word. Um, yeah, so that's it for hashtag AskTATC for the week. Uh, we got our final segment before it's closing time, Getting Ice. This is where we get to ask uh, any question to each other. None of us have this pre-scripted, so none of us have an answer. So expect a lot of ums and ahs and pauses, but real from the hard answers. I'll start to kind of give you guys an idea. If you listened to the, Mon- uh, the Big Sky preview, I asked the question to Montana Parlay and Hot Take Nate. We have no name for the Eastern Washington rivalry. If you got to name it, what would you name it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to I kind of liked what he said. Like, with the, uh, the Red Scare thing was kind of a clever idea, yeah. but... 
I know. I, I like it a lot, too. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's hard because... Know, we already used one red scare. You can't double up. Well, no, I mean, that, you know, that, that WSU-Idaho used to be the Battle of the Palouse. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, maybe we call it... And, you know, the Utah schools do that. They all BYU-Utah State, they all play for the Beehive boot. So, if we ever all three play each other, the winner of the most games can get the trophy, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much we'll be playing Wazoo anymore the same year Eastern does. Uh, Sean, I'm curious. I think you got a good one. You you used to write headlines for newspapers. Uh, got the blank game. The man, uh, the 195 rivalry. I like that. I was gonna say. <laughs> there we go. I, 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 we've all made that drive a lot up that up yep. that highway. TJ, since you had the most time to prep, what's your ice question? Um. Yeah, I, I I'm. Pretty excited for, yeah, the schools that we get to play in the big sky and kind of, you know, where they're located at. Um, I count, So I want Martin to answer this first, especially since he's probably been to the most uh, locations. What stadium in the big sky are you most excited to visit away? Oh, the University of Montana. Okay. They, yeah, I went there for the big sky tourney when I still was on campus. Mm-hmm. And just I walked by it once, and I've heard that it, this is a stadium that I want. Idaho playing. I've wanted to see Idaho playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll let Sean answer first, mm-hmm. and then I'll give my answer. Um, uh, for me, it's Montana State. I've I've been to Bozeman a handful of times. I had some friends that went there, and I've Bozeman it has a, a a really it has a Moscow-ish vibe. It might be the the Moscow of Mon, Montana, you know. So um, there's a lot of good bars there. Uh, the vibe is good. Obviously, a corner club. They, they have a, a corner club. <laughs> Obviously, that's going to be a really good football game every time we go there. Um, obviously, unfortunately, I won't be able to make it this year um, unless anybody wants to donate $1,500 to me for the flight. Uh, <laughs> hey, we'll start the GoFundMe. Yeah, fund we'll me. start the GoFundMe. Uh, 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 I'm hoping out, uh, the Tubbs at the club GoFundMe. Fly Sean the Bozeman. Uh, <laughs> going live. Uh, but I'm hoping to be able to make it in two years. Um, and if there is a silver lining to this move um, – being able to go to great regional Pacific Northwest college towns like Moscow is, is definitely one of them. I, I will say Washington greatest Montana is a hundred percent is mine, but Martin, what do you got for us? I got two. That's okay. First one. What was your favorite drunk food place to get food in Moscow? Uh-huh. I'd say drunk food, but just late night food in Moscow. I'll go ahead and, I, I was a bagel shop guy. I mean, I know there is a lot of competition, but the options, the assortment, the consistency you got yeah. late nights at bagel shop was always me. So I'm going to go bagel shop. See, uh, I, I would have gone bagel shop for sure, but it was expensive. And then there was grub truck. Yeah. I uh, That came around after I was gone. So grub truck's not really on the table for me that much either. Yeah. I'm gonna keep it old school for those vandals that were there in the turn of the uh, decade. We're going to New York, Johnny. Yes, that was good. Yeah, we're going to New York, Johnny's hot dogs. That was my favorite drunk food, the original street food of Moscow, Idaho. There's gonna be some guy graduating in '79. He's gonna tell us crazy you missed that taco truck back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thinking <laughs> as far as us us youngins, I'm going New York, Johnny's. And then Sean had to hop off just because, you know, it's early in Taipei. Yeah. He's got work and stuff he's got to get to us. His podcast ran a little long. But we're the closing time. 
it's uh, time to kind of just cover some brief little points and everything, and uh, we'll turn the podcast over to next week. So some some closing time notes. The podcast will be moving to Thursdays during the season just because it's kind of hard to get everything, especially when you're watching football all day Saturday, probably Sunday, getting time to record Monday or Tuesday and then post on Wednesday. So I'm going to push it back to Thursdays during the season, you guys. I hope it's not a big problem. I'm assuming nobody cares that much. But it is weekly going forward, which is the good news. No more breaks. Every episode will be weekly, including the bye week. I have something scheduled for that. These guys that we're all on today are probably going to be your regular co-hosts, whether they all four can make it on any given night or, or what, or if we just do special appearances. But uh, these are the guys who will get to know and grow this podcast and might even host it when I'm not able to do it. I want to remind some people. Join the FCS Fans Nation Pick'em Challenge. We talked about it on the FCS preview. Uh, it's only $5 to join. You can find it at fcsfansnation.com. They have a website now. Just go to their contest. They also have game day photos. Fun stuff going on over there. But the offer I'm willing to present people, for every single vandal that signs up, and I can see the list, give me your name. You can direct message me on Twitter. It's Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. Or you can message Tubbs at the Club on Twitter. Let me know you're in. Tell me your name. For every single Vandal that registers, I will donate $10 to the Vandal Scholarship Fund. So I want as many people to go in there as possible. Let's pay for some athletes. Let's pay for this new stadium of ours. I hope you four will be joining me. You're going down. um, So make sure you join that. It's $5 to join. We got week zero this week. Football's back, baby. But I will give $10 to the Vandal Scholarship Fund for every single Vandal in the Pick'em Challenge. And if everybody just gives $10 for entering – I mean, that's, that's a good chunk of money. Hopefully we can give to the VSF, but I'm proposing that offer. So please join. Let me know that you're in there and I'll uh, keep track of you throughout the season as well as myself. Um, mine's just Chris Hammond. Uh, also check out our new content at tubs at the club.com. Sean, who has joined us today, the founder of the whole shebang, uh, actually just posted a really, really good article today. So make sure you go check it out. It'll be yesterday by the time this is aired. So check that out. We got a bunch of other stuff going. I know I have an article pending. Um, some other people are writing some stuff. So make sure you stay tuned to Tubs at the Club for all your Vandal news. And then closing remarks, TJ, Martin, what do you guys got going on in the lives? Uh, tell the people, give a plug, what's going on? Uh, nothing much. I mean, I'm not really in the band anymore. I mean, I've mm. heard a little bit of their show and it sounds pretty good. Just hopefully when the football season comes around, everybody stick around for halftime to watch them and supports them for all their hard work they've gone through mm-hmm. for the past two weeks. And hopefully everybody, hopefully they can perform into December and hopefully into January. Yep. Uh, TJ, what's going on in your life? Other than being accepted to uh, the Tubs at the Club podcast. Hey, uh, yeah, first of all, I, just, I want to say thanks, Chris, for, for doing all this, putting this on and having me on. Thanks, Martin. I really like your responses. And thank you, Sean, for being the godfather of Tubs at the Club. I'm just, I'm so excited for this year, and I, I hope people are too. Uh, you know, the Vandal Nation really, really builds off of, of uh, being around each other and being together. I think the football team especially, you could, you could tell with the big seasons that we've had in the past that they really feed off of how the university is, how the fan base is doing, and it really shows on the field. So I, I think this is our year. Um, for all you Vandals listening, let's let's back them up. Let's get excited. Let's show our pride, and, and that they'll show it out on the field, and I think it's going to really turn out for our first year in the FCS. We're going to make it big. And then most of you know, this is what I've got going on in my life. I'm living, breathing, and eating everything Vandals, everything Tubbs at the club for this fall. Uh, but I guess to take it a little bit away from that, I got my season tickets yesterday in the mail. Oh. Thank you, Vandals Same. season I'm ticket office. Too. I got my parking pass. You can find me in VSF Lot 3 if you want to tailgate. Make sure you stay tuned to the podcast and on Twitter and on the website because I will obviously not be able to make every single game this year, and we will be giving them away. Uh, random contests throughout the year. 
what they'll be yet. So make sure you stay tuned. Follow us on all things we're on. Um, and you got a chance to win some tickets and a parking pass. Uh, I want to thank everybody for, for tuning in once again. I, I'm surprised how many of you listens we're getting. We're supposed to have 200 listeners on every episode within 90 days right now. Uh, we're just shy of like 198, which is more than I thought we'd be four episodes in. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, sharing, yeah. everything like that. Keep sharing it. I really appreciate it. And uh, maybe someday we'll be able to give a lot more money to the VSF because of this. I will see you next week for the Fresno State preview dropping on Thursday. Don't forget on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. And it's time for the best band in all the land to play us out. And I'll see you next week.